let's talk about digital identity, the podcast connecting identity and business. I am your host, Oscar Santolaya. Hello and thanks for joining today. Now the organizations and the projects in the organizations are getting more and more complex. There is more complexity in these environments. And there is a topic that is completely linked to that is privilege access management. So we are going to hear from experts in this matter from a company called SSH.com. We have today two guests. They are Mika Sainio, he's CTO at SSH.com. He's building beautiful services and products for over 20 years as a coder, architect and product owner. And our second guest is Rami Raulas. He is Vice President EMEA at SSH.com. He has long experience in IT from Fujitsu before SSH. His special area is in successful customer experiences. Hello, Mika. Hello, Rami. Hello. Yeah, nice Oscar. to be here. Hi, Oscar. Pleased to join. Yeah, very welcome. It's nice talking with you and great to, to talk uh, after some time uh, from some company in Finland here where we are. So it's, it's great to hear. Let's see what uh, SSH, a Finnish company, is having uh, for solving these uh, very, very complicated problems for some organizations. We'll hear more. But I, w I would like to hear now uh, a bit more about yourself. So please, could you tell me, each of you, how was your journey to this world of digital identity? Well, this is Mikko. For me, it's... It goes way back. So I've been in IT for over 20 years now. And even before that, in the 90s, I used to run like dial-in bulletin board systems, which of course had already had user accounts and user identities and with which you logged into the systems. And from those, I graduated to different like textual multi-user online games, again, with accounts and so forth. And from that to our first startup, and building like social web experiences. So building and having a digital identity has always been a part of who I am as long as I can remember. Yeah, and for me, I've been working with identity and authentication actually with different technologies mm -hmm. like biometrics and user certificates or tokens. I've actually been putting in the early 90s, so a long time ago, smart card readers and biometric readers into laptops for okay. digital times. But now the focus, of course, from our side is less so on the identification and authentication of the user. It's more on using that authentication and authorization then for managing critical access. But the authentication and identity proof behind that is critical because we have to have a footprint of who has access to what, who is doing what on an individual level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so both of you have a long experience in identity, so it's, it's, I'm sure you have great stories to tell today. So I would like to start uh, this, the connection between uh, what Usecure is doing, uh, IAM, CIM, and what we're discussing today. So let's let's start with that. So how to expand identity beyond IAM and CIM for better governance? Well, I think identity management alone, even though it's an important part, it's only a part of the equation. With IAM, you kind of, you identify the users but after identification, you also have to control what those identified users can do throughout your estate. So ideally, you want to be as granular as possible and only grant access just in time, audit the access, and also set context limitations for the access. So allowing access from specific network sources or at specific times and so forth. So if effectively, IAM or customer IAM are really the source which privileged access management uses then to federate 
not only the identity, but also the entitlement or authorization, and as much as kind of a least privileged, just-in-time basis as possible. So not leaving standing uh, authorizations or even worse, or standing credentials like passwords or keys lying around, especially in the cloud environment, which would be quite detrimental for security. Yeah, definitely. So what is, what is privileged access management? Privileged access management is a methodology which basically allows organizations to audit access to critical resources. The resources can be physical computers, they can be virtual machines, hypervisors, databases, container orchestration tools, routers, firewalls, applications, and I mean, even kind of organizations, social media accounts can be considered to be within the scope. And uh, usually PAMs or privilege access management solutions are implemented either on demand, uh, identity federation, or via password vaulting, in which case you don't really get an audit trail what happens on the target, or through proxy or bastion architecture audited and more controlled ephemeral access. Mm -hmm. Yeah, quite interesting what you say that even social media is considered there. Yeah, it's basically whenever you need to, I think that even social media accounts for a company are critical resources in a sense that how companies communicate and express themselves through social media channels and who does it and how it's done, it's it's part of the scope. And, and how it's controlled, because you can yeah. do a lot of damage with misuse exactly. or bad, bad usage, not, not only, you know, for IPR issues like stealing product development data or customer data from CRM environments, for instance. But but it's more and more social media accounts are the visibility of companies globally. So a really important asset in a way. Yes, exactly, exactly. So social media, as you say, can can damage the, the reputation of a company. And and that's true. It's, it's, when when I had the idea of privileges management, it was more like, a, well, it's the big part is, I think, the, the critical systems, etc., and someone accessing from from outside. And in case though, actually of um, social media, is true. Someone can well can hack the account that can damage definitely. That would be the, the reason to do that. But also actually someone from inside who is should not be let's say tweeting in on behalf of the company. The right the wrong person having that access can be also uh, a big a big damage. And perhaps that can be even expanded to tools like Salesforce or HubSpot or whatever CRM systems you have in place. So whatever, if there's a company-wide web application users use to communicate with the, either customers or the audience, as so a public audience as a whole, I think that that also needs to be controlled to some degree. Yeah, so it's much wider topic than just outsider hacks, you know, malware yeah. and hacks and insider threats, you know, insider stealing data for commercial purposes or, you know, fired or leaving people doing damage because they are bitter for the company. I mean, this would be the typical fear, uncertainty, doubt approaches to privileged access management. But it's more of a governance issue. How do you make sure that, you know, right people have right access and you have a governance and control and auditing on that? Yeah, I can see. Tell us now a bit of the complexity of these environments. Some challenges that you have identified, identity challenges that are in, in cloud, hybrid, and multi-cloud environments. Well, I I have an on-off startup career going back 20 years. So I tend to work in a startup, then at a larger company, and then back at the startup. And especially now with 
when the kind of the de facto way of building new services is via uh, cloud service providers, usually hyper cloud service providers. I've seen that the standing privileges are really a significant problem. So with standing privileges here, I mean, like having SSH private keys or cloud service provider access keys, which are given and granted to users, but never cleaned up. Okay. In some cases, these keys or access tokens may even end up to code repositories, in which case there has been quite a few public cases. And I think the most famous one was the Uber, Uber case in 2017, in which they basically leaked their S3 access credentials to a code repository and leaked customer information and driver information. Um, in other large companies, the problem kind of applies to subcontractor or maintenance temporary access where you really don't want to add the contractors or temporary people to your company IAM, but would rather grant them temporary automatically expiring access rights to very specific resources. And ideally, you want to also be able to set context limitation to that access so that the traffic or the access comes from specific IP ranges at specific times and so forth. And again, it should expire automatically. And recently, in many of the companies we've talked to, the large problem they have seen is that, uh, and it has also been identified by analysts like Gartner, that large companies often want to reduce their reliance to a single cloud provider, be that Amazon, Azure, or Google, and they want to have a multi-cloud strategy or even a hybrid strategy in which they have computer workloads and data assets in public and private clouds, or even on-premise premise hosts so controlling access to that whole hybrid multi-cloud environment is a problem. So within the kind of the vertical or within a CSP, they offer a number of tools for creating restrictive and controlled access through their IAM solutions, but they are very much islands. So if you do the configuration in Amazon, you need to do replicate the same configuration in Azure and Google Cloud, and often the kind of the structure of the IAM and the nomenclature and the properties are different. So basically you need to know all of those domains to be able to create an effective IAM strategy and keep it up to date. And manage the authorizations and access for same same individual differently in different environments. I, I just had a chat with a discussion with a, a cloud service provider selling services and providing services for Google, Google Azure and AWS. And they said that even though, yeah, for sure, the IAM environments in each are good, but they don't talk to each other. So you kind of need a, a gatekeeper or a front-end uh, access manager in front of everything to be able to centralize it well. Yeah, I see the, the complexity and there are reasons to make it complex. Now, as you have mentioned, sometimes uh, the, the organizations want to be have some independence from the these big uh, cloud providers, such as you say Amazon, uh, Azure, and they want to have a hybrid or the other, the competitors, some other environment. So there are reasons to to be complex, uh, valid reasons. So as things uh, get complex, how do we simplify? How do we simplify access management to these critical infrastructures? I think I kind of alluded to this already in in the previous answer. So ideally, you want to have a single pane of glass through which you control access to a whole estate. So the challenge is often that you have a number of different systems with different access methods you need to control. Some you can do via ephemeral certificates like SSH or RDP access, 
some you need to do using public key authentication or you even may have to do some through, through stored credentials or password vaulting. But since using ephemeral certificates is the best way, since the end user never gains access to a permanent kind of secret to access target with, we promote that for SSH and we want desktop access. And that way you don't even need to worry about the password rotation. And what's ephemeral certificates? Ephemeral certificates are a mechanism to authenticate connections to target hosts using short-lived authentication tokens. So the target hosts, uh, target hosts can be SSH hosts or Windows domains and be configured to trust the Privex certificate authority. And Privex gives or creates short-lived and otherwise restricted certificates to Privex proxy or passion components with which connections to the target hosts are authenticated. And traditionally, these certificates are valid for five minutes or less. And for interactive users, like the end users, actual people using the target systems, this would also mean having a single web portal or an access point into which you authenticate with your company credentials or with your IAM credentials and get taken to a user interface which automatically lists all the infrastructure you are entitled to based on your own grants. So it becomes, effectively account becomes like a single sign-on portal for yeah. towards critical data applications and resources, yeah. infrastructure resources. Even 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 though kind of privileged access like landscape is quite difficult, it doesn't have to be hard. It, the solutions can be easy to deploy. They can be easy to configure for admins, and they should be easy to use for end users. And what we at least try to do is that we make the product so easy to use that the actual end user workforce are more convenient using the BAM solution than being without. Mm -hmm. And then from that, that, if that's the user approach, actually make users more productive and not yeah. less productive, because security normally means burden, yeah. <laughs> complexity. Yes. So we try to make it simpler. So especially if you have lots of targets or lots of applications to go to, you know, there's a problem of having to remember a lot of details. If the BAM solution adds complexity or friction, people tend to try to look for ways to go around it. The other aspect to simplification of privileged access management is, is of course, to have a modern infrastructure environment like, like, like we have done with our solution so that you fully utilize the especially native cloud deployment models, you know, infrastructure as code and, and auto automatic deployments and auto scaling and auto discovery so that there's much less work to maintain and, and keep systems up and running. And when people come and go, you don't need to configure everything on the target side. So that adds to automation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one detail is that the Kento Amine, as you were describing this, is that in an organization that is using a tool like yours, a privileged access management solution, means that the majority of employees, a majority of users are going to use the user interface side of the privileged management or is a portion of the of the employees? Yeah, I think you can layer users. Of course, you have the critical users, which would be, you know, systems administrators, network administrators, database administrators, yes. data application developers, you know, DevOps developers, and then what I would say power users or power administrators like social media account managers and, you know, CRM managers, stuff like that. So those are the kind of definitely they need to be more governed and their access should be controlled in a more just in time manner and kind of correct privilege manner rather than all doors open. I mean, you don't want to put a VPN for externals and let them go to everywhere. You want to control 
just yeah. for the time and for the, those resources that they really need to work on and then automatically re- revoke it. There's an element of uh, in kind of user. So typically, pre-release access management solutions are for these kind of people, mm-hmm. but they will be expanding our solution as well so that such a platform can be used also for as a single sign-on mm-hmm. forwarder mm-hmm. or automator. Yes. For, for accessing web-based applications. So the, I, I think the PAM solutions will expand into that direction moving forward. Yeah, I can see. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I think it's, it's clear the idea that um, besides the, the technical people who need the privileges, so some business, non-technical people like social media, you said you CRM, salespeople or customer service people, some of them need, but yeah, of course not, not the whole organization. Okay, another trend that I hear about access governance is talking about the... Uh, Zero trust, for instance, zero standing privileges in, in passwordless. Uh, what's your take on all this? It's all converging on a single theme, I think, that users users should not be trusted. And I don't mean that users <laughs> would be, but you need to make sure that kind of a compromised workstation or a forgotten credential or an account doesn't compromise your security mm-hmm. perimeter. And all of the terms mentioned just mean that there should be no standing privileges. Access should be granted through ephemeral certificate or vaulted credentials via pastons or proxies, which can audit the connections and create alerts as needed, and even terminate connections when they kind of detect abnormal usage. Yeah, I mean, standing credentials like passwords, you know, two-thirds of people borrow their passwords to colleagues. So I think that yeah. is a security issue, definitely. So why keep such burden alive, you know, automate it, take that issue away. Then for zero trust, this is kind of an overhyped term. Everybody yeah. in this industry mm-hmm. is talking about zero trust. I mean, the network device manufacturers, you know, the, the firewall vendors and others, they say that access management should be done on, on, on network level with zero trust. I mean, that's a really complicated approach. <laughs> so we see it more as a layered approach for just-in-time access is that you have some mm-hmm. elements of that on the network access level and then, but most of the logic is governed on a previous access management level in terms of kind of application logic, logic level rather than network level logic. Yeah, I think the basic idea is that the user or the source, be that user or the host, doesn't have the credentials in their possession to act directly access the target hosts. And uh, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this uh, ephemeral um, or oh, time-limited uh, access, privileged access. Yeah, that comes to my mind, for instance, now you, you mentioned social media earlier. So in events, for instance, in events, you say, okay, Oscar, is, you have to tweet for this event. <laughs> yeah, so typically they, if that happens, well, without privileged access management, well, they have to give me the, well, the, the there is no uh, layers in, in Twitter, for instance. So you have to give me the, 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 the user and the password and until the one who who gave me that access uh, will well change the passwords also how that yeah. happens for instance in, in with privileged access management so with privileged access management if you kind of take for example that social media mm-hmm. use yes. case how we would solve that with privex is that uh, there would be a shared account on the social media platform which is accessed through our products web access interface and uh, the access goes so that the user logs into our solution, yeah. clicks on a target host, gets taken to the Twitter experience, and uh, is automatically logged in to the platform. The user 
himself never gains the password, mm. but the password is automatically filled to the Twitter login dialogues and so forth. So it's kind of it's all automatic and nobody knows the password. It can be configured by programmatically or it can be configured by the super admin or whatever. So mm-hmm. yeah, that absolutely solves that that problem, that potential problem that uh, yeah. I I keep the <laughs> I give access to the company uh, social media account more than needed. Yes. There's one more aspect to add, add here as well, which we have implemented in the solution is that people typically are a bit afraid or not familiar to use shared accounts because the, typically shared accounts means that you don't know who used the account, who, who did what. But in a modern access management environment, you always have those four steps. You know, you identify the user, so you have the user ID, you have the authentication of the user, authorization of the user, entitlement of the user, then you know what role the user used and you know what was the end application or end account that was used. So even when you have a shared account, then people of course who use that shared account don't know the secrets. Privex either creates a temporary ephemeral certificate for the access, which is no longer valid after use, or if it's a stored credential like a password, the user never sees it. But in the aftermath, and audit trails and visibility after the session, there's always visibility who was the individual who used this common role and shared account. So that visibility is always embedded in the audit trails and alerting and reporting and recordings. Now moving into also the more than the technical benefits, how privileged management can mitigate business risk? There are also some benefits like financial or operational uh, benefits with, with privileged access management. Yeah, I think that's a very valid question. I think typically, you know, if you think from a CFO point of view, risk management is a big, big topic and IT is definitely part of that and cybersecurity is an element within that. So it's it's definitely a risk management topic. So I would say that for the financial aspect of previous access management, there are two aspects. One is, of course, the risk management. So, you know, you don't want your product development IPR data be stolen so that somebody can set up a competitive company to do so. We have an example here in Finland with Nokia and Rengard and Black Donut in Russia, Russia, where it was too easy to establish an operation by misusing product development or IPR data. And you have other others. Mm-hmm. You know, it wouldn't be too nice for somebody to change the payroll accounts from our own accounts to their account for monthly salaries payments. And these are kind of the misuses of critical data that have been, have been taking place. So they, of course, can be prevented or mitigated by having a proper IAM and, and previous access management combination in place. I think the other financial impact is then more kind of on the return on investments. You know, why would yes. why would a solution that by mm-hmm. default sounds complicated? How on earth could that actually help productivity or increase productivity? But they are totally different topics in the financial sense, of course. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah, it's, it's it's important to to convince the financial decision makers about the the importance of of tools like this. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So what makes Privex your approach unique? With Privex, three years ago, we kind of we started building a lean, mean, easily deployable and agile PAM. So the kind of the traditional PAM solutions so far had been and still are kind of uh, mammoths in a sense that they are quite a big tasks to deploy and take into use. One, 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 sorry, Nika, one customer yeah. who migrated over from a traditional kind of legacy password port solution, password rotation solution, told that they wanted to get rid of their monster infra yeah. into yeah. something leaner. I think that was quite 
on the spot, so to speak. Yeah. Was it the guy who said that he hates it with the power of 10,000 suns or something <laughs> like that? So one of the founding principles around which we built the product was the ephemeral certificate authentication for SSH. And that worked out really well. And so we built a similar system for Windows. So basically having a virtual smart card authentication to Windows domains. And usually the kind of the end user experience for both admin and normal users in solutions like these are is well is somewhat lacking because it's really not the focus focus of the thing. The focus is to make things secure and the user experience is the secondary factor or driver. And for Prevex, we really have spent quite a lot of time to make the web experience as polished and beautiful as possible so that there's as little friction as possible for people to make their daily tasks. It shouldn't be any more difficult than using, well, if there wasn't the PAM, and actually it should be easier with the PAM because it, as I said earlier, it kind of gives you your access targets directly on a single pane of glass when you log into Privex. Also, since the incarnation or early days of privileged access management PAM solutions 15 years ago when the first came to market, mm -hmm. market the world has also changed. I mean, we're now in the world of at least hybrid, if not cloud environment and application logic is no longer command line approach. It's a web-based browser application based. So, mm -hmm. so we needed to adjust or build a solution around that rather than the old approach of, of on-premise and then legacy protocols. Of course, we support them as well. But the building principle is on the modern kind of modern way of building and using systems and applications. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, the the user interface for it's web web based. Yes, mm -hmm. correct. Yeah, excellent that you have um, um, not only built a robust system for this, but also uh, focus a lot on the user experience because definitely that that's, that's also critical. Yeah, there was one one also interesting aspect that came around a couple of years ago when we, because of course, a critical element of privileged access management solution is session, man, you know, session control, mm -hmm. session management, you know, how do you establish and control the sessions? And part of that typically, of course, is then not only audit trails or sending audit trails and events and alerts to CM and, and SOC services, but also to have recordings, right? So many people want to have recordings. And uh, we've always kind of thought that the recordings are for auditing purposes, for auditors only. But actually the bigger use is for e-learning. You know, people configure like a network device once a year. They don't remember what was done. Okay, now you have a recording for it or training newcomers to the operational environment. They can see how things are done from the recordings. So there are other user productivity elements than the interface itself also that we didn't think about some years ago, but now they have become very prevalent with customer cases. Yeah, and I must say we have done the auditing of the trails for connections quite a lot better than some of our competitors because we actually store the actual protocol streams for access so there are, there's no kind of uh, lossy video or anything like that involved. It's all basically the protocol that goes between the target and our proxies, and that can be played back. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that sounds, sounds definitely super powerful. What are your customers after using your your product have been telling? This is what we really like, or what's powerful about that. Yeah, two, two aspects. One is the kind of ease of taking this into use. We have one bank in the middle of Africa, of all places, and they deployed this over a weekend and started using it on Monday. I mean, I haven't, mm -hmm. I have never heard of an IT project in that speed. 
of oh. deployment. Normally it's days, months, weeks, sure. months, or years, right? And, and so, so the kind of quick deployment, of course, you have to have your IGA and IAM infrastructure in place, you know, who should have access to what and kind of role-based access thought through. But if that is in place, then the deployment can be really swift, especially in cloud environments. And then more and more, of course, services like this are going to be offered, are already being offered as a service. So PAM as a service yeah. structure, then the deployment is clicking a button and starting to configuring and starting to use without having to even install anything. So that's one. The other is the user productivity. So people are saying that the users don't hate the PAM, which they normally did earlier. <laughs> and they don't try to find a ways to bypass it. It actually makes connections very quickly. It's very intuitive. And so it kind of helps them in their day, daily work. And that's, they also, customers also say that's unique. They never had that experience earlier. Normally cybersecurity and security is a hindrance, yeah. you know, problem for people to deal with. So. At least we've been spending a lot of effort in trying to make it understandable and easy to use, even for intelligent and complicated people. Yeah, and uh, even for technical people like admins and others, the way we have implemented the SSH and RDB clients within the browser, it has been quite. They have been quite impressed on on the quality and uh, usability of the of the clients. So that has been good. And for deploying Privax, we even provide tooling to deploy Privex to, for example, Amazon using Cloud Development Kit or CDK infrastructure as code. And the whole deployment when running running the Privex deployment takes like 10 to 15 minutes. And uh, the longest time there is the kind of when Amazon provisions the actual database instance for you. But so it takes basically from downloading the CDK script and running it and having a running Privex installation is 15 minutes. Okay. Well, excellent. The last thing I would like to ask you is for both of you, if you can give us a tip, a practical advice for anybody to protect our digital identities. Yeah, this might be kind of self-evident, but use a password manager, either the operating system password manager or browsers of password manager or a standalone version. And I have a pet peeve with services who force you to create a password with numbers, capital letters, your mother's maiden name and special characters, because that's what most end up, because when that happens, most users just end up doing trivial character substitutions, mm. or running numbers in the password. Or using the same one in all, yeah. all services. It, it would be so much better if you just like we're able to have a nonsensical sentence as the password because the entropy would be so much greater. And I think you also need to understand your personal security perimeter. So if the service you are signed up in gets hacked and your password leaks or some other, how does that hack propagate from that? Mm. Can they access your email account? And if they can, does it mean that they can access your bank account and can get a hold of your credit card details? So it would be wise to segment the services you use to trusted and non-trusted entities and use different accounts on those. And like Rami just said, never share password between services. And always also try to use multi-factor authentication whenever possible, either through one-time password applications, SMS or on-device applications or whatever. So Yeah, and then, then of course it makes logical sense to add for instance, biometrics, you know, palm readers yeah. or others. And we have seen, for instance, in government environment in the US and especially here in Finland, which seem to be more advanced, but also in other countries, also using a, a user device like a smart card. 
smart card with a PIN code and with a stored credential, which means a certificate, a user certificate. So users don't even have to remember, don't need to play with passwords anymore. They are identified different, differently. Mm-hmm. Well, excellent. Thanks, Thanks for your advice. Very, very helpful. Um, it was great talking with you, learning more about pre-built access management and how SSH.com is, uh, is mitigating this problem with a really solid, solid product. So please let us know how people would, can be getting in touch with you or learning more about your work. Yeah, so the easiest way, of course, is to go to ssh.com on the web page. For Freevax, you know, the lean, modern, just-in-time access, previous access management solution, the hidden secret place for that is help.ssh.com, which has much more technical details and deployment guidelines. We have interesting blogs as well. They are found on blog.ssh.com. And then, of course, you can always approach us, you know, at info at ssh.com via email as well or other social media accounts. We are present, obviously, in all the social media environments as well. Well, great. Again, thanks a lot, uh, Rami and Mika, for this conversation and all the best. Thank you. Thank you, Oscar. Thanks for listening to this episode of Let's Talk About Digital Identity, produced by UbiSecure. Stay up to date with episode at ubisecure.com slash podcast or join us on Twitter at ubisecure and use the hashtag LTADI. Until next time.